0: what is up y'all kevin coon here from athlete factors this is the athlete factors podcast my guest today is matt fox from sweat elite how are you doing today sir
1: i'm doing very well kevin i really appreciate the invite onto your podcast uh very honored and
0: all is going well down here in valencia how about yourself hey i'm in dallas and i so i just uh as i was looking through your linkedin i saw that you went to uh texas a&m so uh, wow
1: I, I did. Uh, not, I guess not many people know that, nor do I often uh, bring that up, I guess, because it's so long ago now. Uh, 2007, <laughs> yes, 2007, I spent a semester at Texas A&M. I was on a full scholarship there as a 19-year-old, so that's 15 years ago now. And uh, it wasn't for me. You know, I, I, I was injured the whole semester. I found it mm. a little bit tricky uh, with the culture. Uh, shock at that time as a 19-year-old going from a surfing culture on the Gold Coast in Australia to the middle of Texas was not easy for a 19-year-old that hadn't traveled much at the time. Mm. So
0: uh, yeah, but sorry to answer your question. I, I did uh, some time ago now. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm here in Dallas. I, uh, I came down to Texas from Ohio um, to do an internship during college and like loved it. And so then I came back down here to Baylor for grad school. And okay. then made my way in uh, back to back to Dallas, and I've been here since 2012, and I love it. So aside yeah. no, from Dallas is a cool city. I, oh. I've been there a couple of times.
1: Yeah, so I've been back to Texas uh, a couple of times since that experience uh, at, at Texas A and M, and I mean I love the state. It's uh, it's it's definitely a place that I, I like to visit. I think, as I said, just as a 19 year old, I think moving there was a bit of a change, and it didn't help that I was injured the whole time. But no, it's mm-hmm. cool to hear that you're you're based there. And um, what's the I mean, what's the running scene like uh, in Dallas? I'm I'm not
0: actually very familiar. So uh, DFW, Dallas Fort Worth, is like the biggest uh, adult multi-sport market like in the U.S. So okay. tons tons of like marathoners, Ironman, sprint triathlon, Olympic distance stuff like that. So there's tons of people in the area who are. Who are running, and swimming, and biking all the time. That's the majority of my clientele are adult endurance athletes and and youth uh distance runners. So okay. I uh I'm training for a five K the first weekend of March in San Antonio. So lots of lots of good stuff around here.
1: So. Yeah. Oh, Cool. i gotta got to get down there at some point. I mean, I haven't had any opportunities yet with athletes based in Texas. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, we tend to sort of put a list down of athletes that we'd like to have on our, I, I guess we'll get to the YouTube stuff soon, but you know, I guess we, we haven't yet come up with anyone in Texas, but hopefully one day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's just, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. So sure. how did you, how did you start the channel, what was kind of your thought process behind getting to that? And uh, yeah, how, how is it so successful so fast?
1: (laughs) Well, I don't, I'm not sure if I actually know the, the, the answer to that hundred percent, but, but I mean, so sweat elite started five over five years ago. Now Um, we started in sort of October, 2016 Uh, the domain sweatelite.co renewed for the fifth time a couple of months ago now. And I guess, you know, depending on where you want to start with the story, I guess I'll start at that point to begin with and feel free to shoot any questions through from there. But we started off just with text articles and eBooks for the first uh, two and a half years. Mm -hmm. Uh, That then led to a podcast because we realized that that was something that was getting really popular around 2017, 2018. Um, And then we decided about a year and a half after that, in the middle to the end of 2019, that you know, cut a very long story short and through a few meetings, we decided that we really wanted to get into video. Mm-hmm. We thought that that was a space sort of left open. Uh, Flowtrack used to do a lot of workout Wednesday videos, which everyone loved and they sort of dried up and why that happened, no one really knows, I think, except themselves. Mm-hmm. But uh, we decided at the end of 2019 to, to move into that space. So I actually moved to Boulder at the start of 2020 and COVID struck a month and a half after that, which which uh, really put a spanner in the works of the plant. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I mean, I went home to Australia. I panicked and went home. I basically booked a flight and left that day on March the 20th, 2020. Uh, I have asthma. So at the start of COVID, that was a real concern for asthmatics. Mm-hmm. People were mm-hmm. like, is it going to be much worse for us? I didn't have the right insurances or healthcare set up in the US at that point. So I thought, uh, influenced by my parents, really, who I'm close with, uh, I rushed home. And I, got, I, I ended up staying home for a full year. I actually got stuck there. With the travel rules, I couldn't get out for a while. But yeah, got back to the US in April 2021, and we did the first video with Parker Stinson. We published it on May 17. And look, to answer the question is how has it grown so fast and how has it become so successful? I don't really know. We've <laughs> just put the video out. We've put the videos out. We've tried out. We've tried our best. We've really tried to learn from comments, uh, from feedback, athletes' feedback, coaches' feedback. Uh we, we often learn a lot of things just from people commenting in, in, mm. on, on the channel saying, you should mm-hmm. add this, you should add that. Of course, we don't take all of those comments seriously. Sometimes you get silly comments and so on, but you know we've just tried to refine and, and progress along the way. And um, it's, it's honestly taken me a bit by surprise how, how many views we're getting. Uh, I, I, I was on uh, the Running Effect podcast a few months ago and, and he asked a mm-hmm. similar question and I said, I didn't really know what to expect. I I didn't know. I just put them out there and hope for the best. And luckily we've had some, some, some strong interest in it. So I just hope that we can continue to do that.
0: Yeah. So I, uh, speaking of flow track, like I used to love the videos that they were putting up and then some of it, I think was a little bit of a paywall. Like if you wanted to see all the content you've got to pay. And so I was like, ah, so I think maybe that was part of it, but I don't know for sure. But yeah, I was looking up uh videos i'm up sorry for the, i'm so sorry for the sirens it's gonna go in a moment there's uh
1: i'm in valencia right now i'm racing the valencia 10k tomorrow and I, it sounds like a fire
0: brigade going past the window sorry it should be too long but um, <laughs> hopefully hopefully you, you can't hear that <laughs> just just barely so yeah cool so you were just in uh, a bit of a tangent but you were just in copenhagen uh with an with another athlete correct yeah i was oh, so, sorry just there it is <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, it's gone now. Uh, I was actually in, I was actually in Aarhus, which is a few mm. hours drive north of Copenhagen. I didn't I didn't go to Copenhagen. Uh, mm. I guess most people like myself up until pretty recently only knew of Copenhagen in Denmark. But there are other towns, and I was in uh, <laughs> I was in Aarhus, which is actually. Uh, smaller than Copenhagen, but it's probably, it's got more athletes in Aarhus. Uh, for, hmm. I'm not really quite sure why, but no, I was there filming two athletes, uh, one of which has been published already uh, Tyson Aarhus. He's mm-hmm. the Denmark's number one marathon runner, 210. He's won 13 national championships uh, for Denmark in multiple different distances, 1500 through to uh, the marathon. I've wow. been pretty close friends with him for three and a half years. I met him in Kenya on one of my first trips. And um Jakob uh D- Dibdal as well. He's the 3K steeplechase national champion. Um, his video will be published in a couple of hours. I've just finished it and it'll go live very soon. That's so awesome. yeah, I was I went up there to to visit Tyce. He's been he's been sort of asking if I can come up for mostly just to hang out and go for runs for mm-hmm. a while now. And just with all the COVID rules, it's been pretty hard to schedule in. But you know, the time finally came that it worked and uh yeah, I had a good time. It was definitely cold, probably quite a bit colder than where you are right now. But uh <laughs> it's uh yeah, it was good fun. But it's not, I'll tell you what. It is nice to be back down in Spain, where it's a lot warmer now. So, uh, oh, yeah, good fun.
0: <laughs> that's got to be awesome. So, do you have? Uh, uh, you got a time goal for uh, for the ten k tomorrow? I do. I want to run under thirty minutes. That's the goal. Okay, uh, let's go. It's,
1: yeah. My my best is thirty thirty nine. It was from two years ago now, and uh, I guess the, the week after I ran thirty thirty nine, I ran a two twenty seven marathon. But I ran a two twenty marathon about a month and a half ago. So mm. I'm definitely fitter in a, in an aerobic sense now than back then. I've mm-hmm. done a time trial at altitude in thirty forty six, which equates to about a twenty nine forty five, but that's not official, obviously. So mm. yeah, we'll see how we go. See so we go. That's
0: awesome, man. Well, best of luck. I can't wait Thank to uh, to look up the results and uh, see your name way up there on uh, on. On the lowly, I, I don't. I don't know if I'll be way up there because I must say this. This
1: race is very <laughs> strong. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I personally know of. I'm not saying I know them personally, but I know of at least 25 males that are faster than me in this race, wow. at least. And that's just the people that I know of. So you know, mm-hmm. I may I may come 80th to 90th in this
0: race, and, and also wow. run close to 30 minutes. So it's very strong. This race, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, he's, uh, He was shooting for what 28, 20 ish, somewhere around there. He's shooting for the Danish national record, which is 28 25. Gotcha. Yeah. So he's going to be moving. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's exciting. I think he'll do it. I think he'll do it. Yeah. He looked pretty good in the video. So he looked real smooth. Oh, you watched that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He
1: did look good. He did look good. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> I found the Sweat Elite channel looking for videos of NAU athletes and coach Mike Smith. And then you know, I found, you know, one of the, one of the videos that y'all had done. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then Paul Chalimo and then Sarah Hall. And I'm like, looking through all these and I'm like, holy cow, there's like very few sports where you can get this close to seeing these elite athletes train. And I think like, that's what, like, it just sucked me in right away. Cause I'm like, this is, this is the type of stuff that like, helps keep me mov- motivated to train like not like the the like uh not just seeing people race really fast but like seeing them grind like yeah. seeing these people like they show up they're they're just people too they show up they put in the work and they do it consistently over you know long periods of time and that's where that's where the magic happens right so uh how how did you go about like first reaching out to people just to be like, Hey, can I film you doing a workout?
1: Yeah, it pretty much was just like that. I mean, what,
0: what helped (laughs) us,
1: what helped us was having the business and the brand there already. So Mm. a bunch of athletes, I could, I could reel off 10, at least 10 names probably that had that said to me at some, at some point along the way, they said, you, you guys have been around for a while, haven't you? And, And they almost say in a sense of like, I've probably read an article or two of yours a few years ago, but like, and I think just having that brand awareness helps because it's mm-hmm. it's more just oh well this company's been around a while they've been in the game of media for a while so they're not just a random thing that's asking for 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 help or asking for a video yeah, yeah. but I, I I sort of had briefly connected with Parker Stinson before and uh, when I was in Boulder and I arrived I I sent him a message and said uh, you know we're about to launch the videos obviously at this stage we had not a lot of uh, people lined up. And I told him that the other videos coming soon would be Jake Riley, uh, who's mm-hmm. qualified for the, uh, the Olympic games at that point. Uh, Sarah Hall had, had sort of agreed, but we hadn't firmed anything up. And then he just said, yeah, let's do it. He was coming back from an injury. And uh, I guess he'd been on the sidelines for a while. So he wanted to get out and do some media. And then really it's just gone from there. I mean, I think that people often ask like, what do you think the turning point was to, to be able to get a lot of athletes on? And there were really two turning points in my mind. I think Sarah Hall was a big one. She was, I really should make sure I know this one, but I'm pretty sure she was episode five or it might've been four. And those ones really helped because I didn't even ask her afterwards to share anything. I just hoped that she would, but she shared Mm -hmm. it a lot on her Facebook Mm -hmm. and Instagram. And -hmm. then what happened as a result of that, Molly Seidel, for example, who agreed, she said she watched those videos with Sarah Hall Mm -hmm. and and the other turning point was Paul Chalimo. Like those Paul Chalimo videos were so fun and so good. That, mostly thanks to him and his training group that was so mm-hmm. uh, outgoing, so easygoing, and and so forth. You know, once Sarah Hall and Chelimo were both up there, up you know, in the first fifteen episodes, it became significantly easier to get other athletes on. Like it was yeah. almost to a point where males it was like a 90 percent sort of strike rate females a little bit lower um, for Mm -hmm. a reason i'm still not fully understanding at this point it's a little Mm -hmm. bit harder to to have the women come on and the reasons could be anything ranging from you know uh you know some have even said that they don't think that they're they're in their best shape so they'd rather do it later and you know Mm -hmm. i mean each their own but yeah yeah sure it's pretty much started by just asking parker to come on and then it went from there so
0: that's awesome that's so cool so uh when I was just getting into running, you know, high school, early college, like it still kind of felt like um like you could ask other people like, hey, so what's you know, what's your training like? What are you doing? But it was almost like this sort of I'll give you this amount of information about it, but I'm not going to tell you the whole thing, because I think what I'm doing is a little bit secret and a little bit special. And like, I feel like the more I learned, the more I was like, OK, there's really is there anything that's actually secret? Like, is there, is there anything that anybody's actually doing that that is so groundbreaking, that's so profound that like they're trying not to tell anybody else? Like the, the concepts for improving your, your running performance are I hope pretty well established. So it's like, maybe there was a shift kind of in the whole running community where it was just kind of like, all right, we're not going to play that game anymore. We all know what we're doing here for the most part. And do you think, do you think you could have done this same thing like 20 years ago?
1: Ooh, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know because I'm, I'm actually, I'm fully with you in a sense of like, so I was competing pretty, pretty seriously in middle distance events between 20, uh, 2006, And 2013, so I was a 148, 800 runner, 345, 1500 runner. So I was sort of in the top, in in the national final in Australia over 800. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I I do feel like a lot of the training was a bit secretive. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I had similar conversations to what you've said, that sometimes you'd ask athletes and coaches for information that give you bits and pieces. I really think that that attitude has changed dramatically over the last 10 years to the point where now you see very few athletes in that boat where they're like height, where they like, they think it's a secret. You still have some, I mean, I'm going to throw my housemate in Boulder under the boat here. I'm not going to say, he, cause he thinks, he thinks that it is still like a playbook and, and it's secretive. And I disagree with him firmly. I just don't think that's true anymore, but he yeah. thinks it is. Um, he, he thinks that uh, people locking on Strava at professional athletes is crazy. And I don't, I think it's actually very smart. I think it's a mm-hmm. way to, to engage with people better um, if you're sharing your playbook more, I think it's it's definitely a, a good thing for the sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I, yeah, I, I don't think that there's such thing as that anymore. Uh, I, I do think 10 years ago, there was, when you asked the question of, could I have done this 20 years ago? Absolutely not. Uh, well, there's a range of reasons why, I mean, YouTube wasn't even around to begin with. I think they started in 2001, but still like even sharing the principles of training back then, very few people were doing that. Mm -hmm. but more time goes on. I mean, it's crazy really to think that five years ago, there was very few pros on Strava. And now there's a lot of pros on Strava Mm -hmm. and that only happened in the last four or five years. So uh, it's interesting in that sense for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I follow uh, like Joe Klecker and uh, Molly Seidel and Sage Herta and like tons of people on Strava. And it's like uh, Connor Mance, like I'm, I think it's so awesome that like you can, I can see every single day, like, oh, Connor ran two, you know, two workouts today. And this was his morning run. This was and like, I think that's so, um, it's definitely educational just from the perspective of like, you can see like almost real time what these athletes are doing. You know, it's, there's not this veil of like, oh, I'm maybe running a hundred miles a week or maybe 140 miles a week. And you'll never know, but like, yeah. you can, you know, obviously like there. people can do workouts without, you know, without their watch or without uploading it to Garmin or Strava or whatever. But um, yeah, I think that level of transparency, I think that's huge for the sport. Yeah. So I think it is too. I really do think that there's m- way more
1: upsides in sharing that as a pro than downsides because mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'll never forget when I was in Ethiopia a couple of years ago and I I didn't even mean to meet Mo Farah. He was just there in the same place and we're sort of all sitting down the table. And he, we were talking about this in a similar way. And he said something something on the lines of like, yeah, I mean, you can give people my training plan if you want, but like, like, it's not going to, like it's 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 really hard. It's a really mm-hmm. hard training, like good luck sort of thing, yeah. you know. Like and it's it's true. He, he said something, it's a couple of years ago now. I can't remember exactly how he said it, but it was something along those lines like, yeah, go and take my training and good 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 luck with trying to do that. It's extremely <laughs> difficult. So like and it's true. And you know, unfortunately the 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 cold hard truth is that a lot of it does come down to natural talent and ability. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of it comes down to being determined to get through those, those hundred to 120 mile weeks that he has been doing. Uh, mm-hmm. I just use him as an example, cause I overheard him saying that, but, um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I really don't think, I mean, Renato Canova, one of the best coaches in the world, especially over the marathon, 10 K through to marathon, he'll tell you, he'll, if you ask him for like the 10 weeks of training leading up to one of his athletes is two or five marathons, he'll just give it to you. Like he'll just hmm. give you the whole thing. He, he knows it's not the secret.
0: And he'll probably say something like, try it if you want. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Good luck. Yeah. 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 Cause there's no guarantee just because you do the training, like you still have to show up and you still have to race. Like it's still so much yeah. of a mental thing. Like race day is like yeah, I put in all this work, but I still have to work really hard today. And
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, Butchard, I, I filmed Andy Butchard last week, and I'm gonna mm-hmm. film him again next week. And and he I don't remember if he said it on the camera or off, but he was basically like so much of the performance comes down to like confidence and your mentality in a race. Mm-hmm. Like his training is is similar to to athletes that he trains with in Scotland that are like 30 seconds off him in a 5K. Wow. like he's run 1306 i think it is and he trains the people that have run 1330 and he says they're pretty similar but mm-hmm. he just, when he's in a race he's, he's he's just he didn't say this but he's just a really good racer like he's mm-hmm. just a, he came uh sixth at the rio olympics in the 5k i think he was 10th at, at tokyo uh wow. you know one of the first non-africans in both races mm-hmm. and he was just it's just all about Yeah. I mean, his training's not that crazy.
0: It's just that when he gets to the line, he's just an animal. He just knows how to race. (laughs) Uh I I love that. Like, I love how there's, there's certain runners who like their whole game plan is like, I'm only going to do what I do, you know, in, in my workouts every day, because I know I can execute on that. And then there's other people who show up and they're like, I'm going to race out of my mind today. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to. Yeah, yeah. So
1: I love that. Yeah, it, really, it really is like that. Uh, it's really quite fascinating. And I, and I I mean, I remember when I was in, uh, an eight, when I was training for the 800, I was regularly training with a guy called Lachlan Renshaw, who was a 145 guy. He won the national championships about four times and we were, mm-hmm. we were the same in training all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was often just confused as to why he'd beat me by two or three seconds in every race.
0: Yeah. That's <laughs> huge. That's huge ago. in the 800.
1: Like, yeah. It was quite frustrating actually. Um, yeah, but <laughs> yeah it just, he was just such a good racer. Um, I think he won three or four Australian national open championships and went to the Olympics, uh, to, uh, London, I think, or maybe Beijing, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really interesting how it, how it all
0: works. Yeah. So, uh, tell us a little bit about like, what was your start in, in the sport of running? Like what, what's your background? What got you into that? You said you're from Australia and did a little surfing, yeah. but uh, where did running come into play?
1: Yeah, so, so I, w- I was actually, as a 17-year-old, 16, 17-year-old, I had my sights pretty firmly fixed on playing Australian football. Uh, which, footy. Footy, that's right, I, yes. It's, I'm, uh, I'm a Collingwood fan. Oh, wow, you actually know some teams. Wow, that's yeah, impressive. An American, mm-hmm. that, is, that is rare. That is rare. Yeah. Well done. That's cool. Oh, yeah. yeah, Collingwood's a good team. They've had, they've had a strong last, uh, last decade. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I mean, for anyone unfamiliar, the, the easiest way to know what Australian football is, is to throw it into YouTube and just have a look at what it looks like. It's very it's different insane. to any other sport, but cut yeah. of long story short, that was my sort of goal to, and, and I guess I was sort of in the gray area where I wasn't a guarantee to make any team, but I was also in the, in the state team as an under 18 year old, there's eight States and I was sort of a couple of clubs that sort of reached out and asked some questions. So I really needed to play well in that year of the draft. When I was 17, and in the first game of the year, I had a really bad accident and broke my wrist and was out for the whole year, which is which is devastating for a player at that age. It's it's mm-hmm. like pretty much limits your chances of making the AFL to very close to zero, wow. uh, and, unless unless you're a, an absolute superstar where you're mm-hmm. guaranteed. They'll probably. Um, but anyway, what I was thinking was, well, I've always been a reasonable reasonable runner, so what I'm going to try and do is get as fit as possible in the running and hope that next year I can come out and win the 3K time trial in the drafting, you know, tests. And Mm -hmm. they can then say, look, we'll give you a chance when you're one year older to to make Mm -hmm. the NFL. But what happened was I trained really hard. So the first game of the year is in March and I broke my wrist in that game. And then I started running within a month of that when my wrist was good enough to to run. And then by, cut a long story short, by December, I placed fifth at the under 18 national championships in the 800 meters. Wow having trained just for that year. And then my coach at the time sort of said, uh, a really good coach, his name is Anton. um, He said, you now got a decision to make. You know, you either try and play the AFL, which your chances now are probably very close to zero, or you can try and make the Olympics in 2008. Mm -hmm. So this was 2004 at the time. And, you know, placing fifth in the under-18 national championships led me to believe that that was possible. Mm -hmm. But there was actually something in between those two, and it was the World Junior Championships in 2006. So I tried to make them. Unfortunately, I fell one place short. I came third and they only took two. Mm. Uh, but that then made me think, well, the Olympics is possible. Um, unfortunately, I didn't ever qualify for the Olympics. I came fifth at the Australian Championships twice. Um, had a range of injuries, but I guess we all we all do uh, through that period. But that was really my intro to running, was, was off the back of a football injury. And, um, yeah, I mean, if you want to fast forward more, that, that sort of middle distance phase lasted um, seven years to 2013. I then took a few years completely away from the sport and worked a few full time jobs in investment banking and a couple of marketing roles, and then mm-hmm. I started to sweat lead in 2016. So now wow. I'm doing marathons. I don't know how that happened, but somehow <laughs> did.
0: <laughs> so how old are you? I'm 34. 34. Okay, so I'm 35. I took. Uh, I injured my back in college. Um, I I thought I was going to go to the US Olympic trials and the steeplechase. That was kind of, that was my race yeah, okay. and then hurt my back. And then, uh, I was like, well, I guess that's kind of out of the question. So then I, I had always wanted to coach. I'd always want to work with, uh, with endurance athletes. And so I kind of followed, uh, the route of, uh, sport performance, strength and conditioning, uh, injury rehab, things like that, just because Uh, athletes who basically only go one direction tend to have a lot of overuse injuries. And I experienced a little little bit of that myself. So I was like, all right, let's do this. And, uh, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to run for like a decade. So basically from, (laughs) yeah, from like, (laughs) yeah, from, from like the end of grad school to like two years ago, I just didn't really run. So like, you know, uh, one 5k a year, you know, like nothing, basically nothing. And, uh, now I'm like, all right, the past two years I've been, been getting after it, so it's, yeah, good I, for you. back. I just, yeah, it's so awesome. I love it. And I just, I wish that I was doing like at 35, I'm so much more consistent when I was, when I was running in college, I like despised the long run. I like, just didn't really do it. I just. Mm-hmm most Sundays I would just take off. Like, I was just like, eh, I need a day off. I'm just not going to run. And, uh, <laughs> like, why, why was... it always happened to be a long run day, I guess that was like, a yeah. Actually for a while, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why was I such an idiot? Why didn't I, like, it wasn't difficult to just like get some sort of consistent pattern, but like my pattern was always like, eh, my recovery days, I'm probably not going to, go as slow as i should i'm probably gonna go a little faster and then long run days ah, i'm gonna take the day off like yeah why was i so dumb matt what what was my problem mm. but uh so ha- when did you when did you become a student of the sport like so the the sweat elite website is like a compilation of of all these articles and and these collections of you know the way that Elliot Kipchoge trains and the way that Sebco trained and the way that, you know, all these, uh, like when did you dive into like the coaches philosophies and how these super elite athletes are training and like, why did you want to collect all that? And, and kind of what's the, what's the story behind that?
1: I reckon that dates back to about 2010, really, Uh, in the middle of my middle distance sort of uh, stint or career, if you want to call it a career. Uh, I guess I stagnated between 2008 and 2010 where I didn't really improve. I got stuck on 148, 800 for about three or four years. And I never actually broke that. Um, and I think at that time I just started to really go, why can't I, why can't I improve now? Like, what What is it that, what is it that I'm doing wrong or what is it that I'm not doing right? Mm-hmm. And so I just started to read a lot. I read a lot of Sebco stuff. I read a lot of, uh, I, well, I met Steve, I bet and he actually sort of advised, he, he lives in, he, I don't know of where he lives right now, but at least at the time he was living in the same uh, city as me in Australia.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And his son went to my high school a couple of years younger than me. And um, I just started to become really curious about like middle distance at the time. I actually, mm-hmm. at the time had no interest in, in, in the longer distances and I didn't have any real plan of starting any website or anything at that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that sort of led me down a path for a few years of just becoming really curious about it. And then I got to sort of a point where I was, I was coaching a few people uh, just as I was finishing up as a 26, 27 year old in the middle distance. I started to coach some younger athletes. How that came about was just as it's just sort of through connections and networks. Mm -hmm. And then I just, it just led from there. And then I I sort of took two years away, as I said, sort of 2014, 2015, and I was still a little bit involved in running, but I wasn't really running myself. Um, And then I just thought to myself after those two years, I saved up a bit of money. I thought, uh, I was sort of heavily influenced by a few friends and a few sort of uh, other uh, podcasts. I guess I'd listened to Tim Tim Ferriss's podcast was a big influence on me, and I just thought, mm-hmm. you know, I'm only 27. I I want to truly really try and see if I can start a business of some sort in the next five to ten years because I think I can always go back to doing this marketing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't. I just thought um, one of my one of my close friends in, in I was living in Finland for a while. One of my close friends in Finland started and sold a company and had a big windfall of money. And I thought that was really interesting. Not necessarily chasing the money. It was just more the fact that he created something from nothing and, and, and just built a really interesting business out of it. And mm-hmm. I just thought, I want to try and do that. And look, there was a few failed starts, uh, a few false starts, a couple of businesses that sort of didn't really go anywhere, mm-hmm. um, including actually a mobile application called Sweat Mobile, which was very similar to Strava back in mm. 2015, I think we started it. Me and a few guys, we basically mm. wanted to create the Strava for running, which I know sounds ridiculous now, because Strava <laughs> is running. But at the time it was it was just cycling in yeah. 2014, 2015. That's all it was. Well, there was running functionality, but no one used it. So we started to, <laughs> we tried to, uh, yeah, I know. I'm sure there's plenty of people laughing right now at how silly that sounds. <laughs> but I will say that back then there was there was very few runners on Strava. I mean, we asked around, and all the people that we knew that were runners weren't using Strava. So,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: but 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 the timing was really bad because Strava sort of launched into running right around the same time as we started. They they invested a whole lot of money into it, so we got crushed. Mm. Um, but yeah, I guess I went a bit away from your question. I think I really became more curious about it around then, and then I th- I just thought. I uh, there's not really any media publication that caters for like serious runners. Hmm. Like there's there's Runners World, which is probably more targeted towards someone that wants to maybe finish a marathon or do a five K under twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. And I just thought <clears throat> there's just I, I asked around a few f- few friends. Um, you know, I had a bunch of friends that were really pretty quick over the marathon, faster than two thirty. Some even faster than two twenty. Some mm-hmm. females under two forty five, and they were all like, "No, we don't really read anything." Like we read individual books here and there of, you know, Salazar at the time, Canova, et cetera. And I just thought, Mm -hmm. well, well, maybe we'll try and make one. And it took a while. But then I think in the second second year, sort of 2017, I really started to notice the page views were really climbing. Like we started to see like quite a lot of traffic to our website as a result of just Google search um, indexing Mm -hmm. and search engine marketing and search engine optimization. So... I think I really thought that there was something to this business in the second year. Um, it, it took, it did, t- it did take about a year and a half for me to really believe in it. And that's, that's a while, quite a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, people often look at it now and go, wow, that's amazing. And I think "Well, it is amazing, but it took quite a long time to get here. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And from there, we've just tried to add more to it, you know, podcast video. And it's just about trying to create as much content as possible for people to, to be able to absorb and, and, and engage with.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm honestly surprised about how many videos you put up and like, yeah, it's all the time. And like, first, first it's like this one from Kenya and then this one's in Mexico city. And then this one's in like, you're all over the place, man. (laughs) Well, they're not all me. I will, I will say that. Okay. Um, Yeah.
1: We've had a couple of people. Well, so that, so I've, so I think we've got 90 videos up now. I think I've, I've done a about 60, maybe 55 to 60. I should I should know the exact number there, but I, I don't. Angus has done about 20 to 25. So Angus mm. started with us in August. Um, how that came about was pretty interesting, actually. It was more that my, my he's not a co-founder, but uh, his name's Tate. He's in Australia. He's, he's written most of the articles on the website. Mm-hmm. He sent me a message in August and saying, saying, one of my friends from South Africa that I've done quite a lot of ride, Tate does a lot of long distance cycling throughout the world. Mm-hmm. He does these long ventures around Africa and Europe. He's really into it. And he did this long cycling trip a few years ago and he met a guy called Angus, who's Angus doing the videos. And he said, "I know a guy in Kenya right now. He's at a charity a few hours down the road from Iten and he's he's looking to maybe do some work after the charity thing. Would you be interested in in, in talking to him?" And I said, "Yeah, like what's his skill set?" And he said, "Well, he's he's into ultra running, he's done videography." And I I said, "That's perfect. Like if mm-hmm. he, if he can stay in Kenya, then that's great." And so I got on the phone to Angus and then the next thing you know, he moved to its end and, and he's loving it. He's doing really well. Some of his videos have seen over 100,000 views, probably about four mm-hmm. or five of them now. Mm-hmm. Most of them see between sort of 20 and 70,000 views. And then there's been a couple of other videographers that have done a few things here and there for us. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I have not done all of them. Uh, that would have <laughs> been impossible, <laughs> especially given there's one coming from Kenya and then one coming from UK and then like, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I, wish I was I confused a for a minute. All that, but I, I can't afford that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> but right now, it's actually in pretty rapid growth mode. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of hiring people around the world right now. I've got two in the UK that have just started. Well, one started, one's starting in a couple of weeks. Yes. I'm meeting one guy in two days' time from now in the south of Portugal. He's actually from Switzerland, but he's down at a training camp down there. He's been filming for the Diamond League events, so he's actually really experienced. And hopefully he'll be joining us. Not not confirmed yet. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so we're really trying to set it up so that we've got videographers all around the world and all the hotspots, so we can deliver as much content as possible. So it's really exciting what's coming. Yeah,
0: that's so cool, man. I'm I'm pumped about it. Like, uh, so I'm 35. Like we we covered that, but like so here in the US, um, USA track and field. Some masters events start at 25 for track and field. Really? Yep yeah yeah (laughs) man we're we're, we're way into the masters uh category this day exactly so i'm pumped like so Mm -hmm. i thought like i go to the usatf website and i'm like looking at masters stuff and it says like you know some stuff starts at 25 some stuff starts at 35 and then i'm like getting back into relatively decent shape like um I think I could, you know, do decently well in some masters 5k road races and cross country and stuff like that. And then I find out like, oh, that doesn't start till 40, but for track and field, like I can do some, you know, some masters stuff. So I'm super pumped. I'm super excited. And then I see the video that you put up with, is it Paul Forbes? Oh yeah. Yeah. This 65 year old guy throwing down three hundreds in 50 seconds. I know. What in the world? I couldn't believe it when he was doing. It. I mean, I, I, a few days
1: earlier, I did 10 300s at the same pace, and I thought that was pretty hard.
0: And I, and I was like,
1: "How is this sixty five year old doing forty eight to fifty seconds?" I was like, "This is this is insane." No, he's an impressive guy. I mean, he I mean he ran one forty five for eight hundred in the in the eighties. So he's obviously mm-hmm. got a background of speed. Uh, yeah. He ran two fifteen for an eight hundred uh, just before Christmas. And then we were lucky enough to film his workout straight after that, which was, which was the 300s that you see on the YouTube channel. That was good fun. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't really know what to expect in that one. That was obviously a different one because we're normally filming um, athletes that are just the best in the world in the, in the, in the uh, Olympic events, I guess, not the, sure. not the masters or the or Paralympics, but we're definitely interested in doing more in that space moving forward. Yeah. Um, it actually came about because we were supposed to film Elish uh, a- 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 McColgan that day, mm-hmm. and uh, cut a very long story short, she had to she had to sort of postpone slash cancel last minute due to family stuff. So mm-hmm. the day was sort of left open, and and the guy I was staying with, Colin Thomas, who's a sort of a top level sports scientist in the UK who I met in Kenya a few years ago. I was staying with him in uh, in Glas Glasgow, Glasgow. Apparently, I say that wrong every time. Anyway, it's in the top of the UK. <laughs> And uh, anyway, he sort of said, well, I think I might be able to organize another project for you. I said, well, what is it? And he said, Paul Forbes. And I said, I've heard that name. Like, what? Who is that? Tell me who that is again. I'm sure I've heard heard of uh, that name. And I Googled him and quickly I saw all his news articles about him breaking world records as a master. And I thought this will be different, but I think this mm-hmm. will be fun. And it was fun. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's already had sort of 17,000, views in sort of a week and, I think uh, looking at the comments on that thing, people really appreciated something a little bit different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. I mean, I, I work with quite a few, uh, masters age group, you know, athletes. And so I like my, my client, Andy, he's, you know, he's in his early sixties. I'm like, dude, look at this. And he's just like, yeah, 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 yeah. no way. This is awesome. Yeah. Like, so that gets me you know fired up to go out and brave 20 degrees yesterday morning um you yeah, know just like, like watching minus minus five i think celsius that's really cold yeah it was really cold it was really cold yeah. still got a decent you know drop down progression run i you just when it's that cold here in texas like nobody's out which is nice uh yeah. like had the whole road to myself and uh, uh you just got to find a place where there's no wind and yeah you know <laughs> What's your, what's your sort of goal on the 5k? If you want to, do you want to share it on a, on a, on a public on a podcast? Or? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all about getting that out there. That helps, uh, helps keep me accountable. So it does. Uh, yeah. So right now I've got a uh, sub 35, 10k goal for March. Nice. Um, My PR, like, so I was, I was kind of like, 800 to 3k steeplechase that was kind of like my my wheelhouse in college um i was like low 153 in the 800 um my best steeplechase was uh, about 911. so like Mm -hmm. eh, decent but um good yeah for like 5k like 5k and 10k i like never did like i think i had one 5k cross country race i went like 15 30s like it was like first race of the season and I was just like eh. and then 10k I did like one 10k road race during the summer when I was in college and I went 3340 so I think I've got I've got a way better shot of PRing in 5k and 10k in mm-hmm. this year next year you know um I think I can slowly I the incrementally 153 background in speed is really helpful I think mm-hmm. It's for just sure. knowing
1: that you've got that capacity to run a run a really quick sort of. 400 even i mean if you run yeah. 153 you, you would have had to have run 51 or 52 for 400 i assume i think that that's like 48 even faster 49 yeah i mean <laughs> i mean at the slowest 52 right like you know you, yeah. you can't really run 153 without being able to run what, at least 52 or sure or 51 but um i think that 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 basically says that your potential to improve those 5k 10k times is potentially quite large so that's really interesting if you're limited to a 55 second 400 speed then one could say, "Oh, maybe that person doesn't have a lot of room for improvement." Yeah, but, um, you do. So it's yeah, it'd be interesting to see how you go.
0: Yeah. So I uh, I coach a uh, it's a homeschool cross country and track team here in Dallas, and uh, I mean we have, we have like sixty kids. We have tons of kids, middle school and high school, and uh, like my goal is to stay one step ahead of uh, of all these kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's a fair. That's goal. why I do it why I do yeah. it? I I do what I do because I love it and so uh I can be like I'm 35 and uh I yeah. think I just beat you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your mileage graph will correlate could correlate exactly with their improvements like up 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 <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. That's right. So w- what are some of the big lessons that you've learned just from your running career? Like from from mm-hmm. racing and from training, what are like I, like, I assume the entire goal of Sweat Elite is to help people run faster. So what are some of the things that you've learned personally from, from your life to that, you know, that you've told athletes that you've trained or coached or people yeah. that have asked you questions about these sorts of things?
1: I'd say what I've learned a lot and I reckon some of my opinions will be a bit controversial and maybe not really agree with by a lot of people to be fair. And I think the big one, the big one in my mind, is I've never really been good at putting this into words, so I'll try. But (laughs) when I, when I, when I, and this was heavily influenced by going to Kenya um, and seeing what they do. So I think I used to think that it's important to be very serious, very, uh, that's not probably the right word, very structured, very uh, strict on everything. Mm-hmm. very careful about, I used to think like this, very making sure everything is perfect in line, making sure that everything is organized, making sure that you have an exact training plan that you stick to and the recoveries are exactly two minutes between your 400 intervals and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, I actually don't think that at all anymore. <laughs> I think I think that that's, uh, well, you know, I'm not saying that's necessarily wrong, but that doing, having that mentality uh, often leads people to unhappiness in a way or, like, hmm. or, or just like placing so much pressure on themselves to perform that when they don't perform very well, it's really, really quite tough. Hmm. I've been there. I think a lot of people that I know have been there. And I think going to Kenya and meeting all these athletes that are just way faster than anyone I've ever met that really don't know what they're doing Training. (laughs) i mean mean, it's not that they don't know what they're doing but i mean i I met a bunch of guys that have run 207 208 for a marathon which is faster than any australians ever run and they don't and they don't even really have a plan they just more go oh you know on tuesday there's a track workout so i'll just go down to that and do whatever they're doing and then on, on thursday i'll do a long tempo run and i'll join a group doing a 60 minute or a or a 20 K tempo run on the weekend, I'll run for two hours with a bunch of guys and in between, I'll just jog around. And that's really how a lot of them do it. And like, yeah. <laughs> and they don't really, they don't really care what they eat that much. Although admittedly in Kenya it's and more specifically there's, there's not a lot of choice with food. It's mostly, you know, fruit, vegetables and chicken. And there's, there's very, very little uh, junk food around there. So they're kind of, mm-hmm. they're kind of lucky in a way that they don't, they're not exposed to that stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh Yeah, it just, that was just, I've been to Kenya five times now. And every time I go, I just come thinking like, yeah, it's just these guys, all they want to do is they want to train really hard two to three times a week. They want to do enough volume. They want to run every day or, or, you know, six days a week at the least. Mm -hmm. Um, And when they get to a race, they just try and win. That's all they care about. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the time when you win, they, they win enough money to feed themselves and feed their kids for a upwards of five years or at least a wow. year mm-hmm. because in kenya to live most of those people would live off two to five thousand dollars a year sort of thing wow. um i mean rent and food there is i mean a lot of them grow their own food uh but rent is very cheap mm-hmm. we're talking 100 to 150 a month sort of thing even less mm-hmm. and uh yeah all they do is try and win and, and as a result of winning races i mean it's a very simple concept, but if you just keep winning races, eventually you're going to run really fast because mm-hmm. if, if you just keep winning and then you get put into a faster race and you just keep winning. Eventually you'll just run a really fast time because you'll be, you'll be forced to. So yeah. I think, I think that's a big lesson in my mind. And now I really don't, I don't, I'm not really very strict with a lot of those things and I, and I'm improving mm-hmm. quite a lot over the longer distances. I, I mean, I think I said it earlier, I ran a 220 marathon a couple of months ago and Rewind three years ago, I never expected I'd run that fast. I, I, hmm. thought, I'd, I, I thought I'd be capped at about 240, 235. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've, I've done exactly what I've just said. I have just haven't really been too strict about anything. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why I said at the start that it's controversial is I reckon a lot of people would be listening to that last few minutes going, that's weird. I don't know if that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I'll tell you what, I've, I've, I know a lot of people that have sort of done the same thing and have found... Found it quite successful, and they've mm-hmm. actually improved a lot. So I don't know. There's something maybe even you know in in the psychological space there that maybe if you just just don't put so much pressure on yourself and you and you just just try and race to to win as much as possible. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it seems to definitely work for most people that I know. And um, that's the big one. Um, there's a few smaller ones, but I think that's the that's the biggest thing that I've learned. Yeah. yeah, and I honestly think that probably my eight hundred meter progression back in 20, 2007, seven, two thousand and thirteen, probably a lot of it was as
0: a result of just being really, really crazy strict about things. I mm-hmm. reckon that didn't work. I just yeah. don't think that helped me at all. Yeah, yeah. You become a slave to the structure, and then and then you're you're at its mercy. And
1: yeah, and I remember, mm-hmm. I remember, I remember taking it so seriously that in two thousand and ten, I had a bad year um, when I just couldn't break one. F- 50 for that year I think it was oh yeah and I remember at the end of the year I was I was so depressed I I considered quitting I did I basically did quit for a few weeks and I was just like feeling like the world had ended <laughs> like and I just thought thinking back to that I'm like why was I so serious about it all like and now if I race poorly I mean admittedly I'm not really trying to make the olympics anymore but now when I race poorly I just have a beer and move on and just pick the next round. Shake it off. (laughs) (laughs) Bounce uh, back quick. Yeah. It's just why, why so serious? Like, I just don't think that helps. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Just trying, I mean, ultimately
0: why are we doing this? It's for fun. You know, exactly. uh, So so, (laughs) yeah. 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 If you're not enjoying the process because the process is too structured, there's too much order. Then uh, it's probably not going to last. Like, yeah. Exactly. So I really to- recommend people
1: if they can, if they have the budget and the time to, to go to, to go to Kenya one day and, 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 and get amongst it, get amongst it for a couple of weeks, probably even a week is enough, but mm-hmm. ideally two weeks. I don't have to say any more or give any more tips there. I just, just go, just, just go meet athletes and you'll, you'll, you'll just have a really, it's really insightful for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're the best in the world for a lot of reasons. There's probably about mm-hmm. five or six reasons
0: why they're the best, but one of them is, is this reason for sure yeah that's so it's crazy because we get like we're so locked in like you know I can I gotta upload my Garmin to this yeah. I gotta sync this I've got to no I'm, the, not, I'm not going for a run unless my Garmin's charged <laughs> yeah exactly yeah a lot of people yeah. are like
1: that and you know well, like, you, I've been there too I've been there too yeah
0: <laughs> if it if it doesn't sync then it doesn't count yeah like, I don't. Yeah, I don't exactly. know if you know that Matt but if uh, you don't no, upload do it then it it didn't happen I know. you do not get anything out of it if it doesn't sink. It's a true story. I'd have yeah. nightmares at night if, if my watch broke. Yeah. Um, that'd be, that'd be the end of it, man. You'd have to quit. So that's, that's super interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Um, no, no so what are some of the things that you've learned from watching these elite athletes? Mm.
1: Ooh, I, I would even say that what I just said has been reinforced even more, mm-hmm. um, especially from athletes such as Paul Chalimo, Andy Butchard. Um, these guys, I mean, you can just tell by watching the Paul Chalimo videos that he is just exactly like what I just said. <laughs> he, he, yeah, he's really laid back. Um, he often cuts cuts workouts short when he knows that he's done enough, doesn't mm. care about it. You know, I, I don't remember which one it was a certain amount of 200s and he cut it like halfway and just went, oh, it's enough. I feel good. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It was like yeah. three weeks before the Olympics too, you know, like a really critical time. And he just, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it didn't hurt him, obviously. He still came third at the Olympics. Um, yeah. But I think that was reinforced more. Um, I don't know if I've learned any more than that, mainly because I spent four years before starting this video stuff, studying this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so a lot of the lessons we'll learn in that phase, um, no, not, nothing really more than that, uh, specifically. Yeah. I think I've learned little bits and pieces. Like, um, I think one thing I actually, I have learned, i this is one more thing is that I, and this is a really common thing in the US. I spent a while in the beginning of the, the marathon career <laughs> when I started running marathons four years ago, mm-hmm. truly believing that in order to run your fastest marathon, you need to do a hundred miles a week. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people still believe that. And that's just not true. It's Hmm. it's just not true at all. Um, Now mileage per week is not an easy subject because there's a lot of variables to it. Mm -hmm. One large variable is how much lifetime mileage you have. So, you know, I don't remember exactly how long you said that you took off, but I took two, I basically, run, I started running when I was 18. So it's 16 years. I basically took two years off in the middle there. So 14 years of running. And so I, I've really learned over the last couple of years as a result of uh, some conversations with Nick Willis, some conversations mm-hmm. with other runners. Um, not some, some, I wasn't even in the conversation. Some I just overheard and I think lifetime mileage is a big deal and whereby if you have a big base of running in your legs for a long time, you can actually get away with doing a lot less mileage. So before I ran 220, uh, of which, um, you know, I think I was capable of running a bit faster than that. I, I, I struggled with some muscle cramps in the last 5K, which probably lost me two to three minutes, but mm-hmm. that's part of the marathon. Uh, my, my maximum mileage for, the, for that block was about was about 70 miles per week. Wow, and a lot of my a lot of my weeks were closer to sixty, so mm-hmm. that's very low for a two twenty marathon. Um, sure is. I focused, <laughs> I focused very, very. I, I was really focused on quality work, mm-hmm. so I, I I really nailed the long runs. I think I did eight or nine long runs in a row of over uh over eighteen miles.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that that was very helpful, but yeah, I think I've really learned that. Like Morgan Pearson is a really do, do you know Morgan? Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a fascinating example of someone that does about fifty to sixty miles a week. Yes, he does a lot of cycling. And you're at mm-hmm. a 61 and a half recently. It's off, crazy. Off, off 55 miles, I think it is per week. Yeah. So you know, you don't really need to do those those long miles. Yes, they can help you. I'm not saying that's wrong either. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I mean I tried that high mileage for a year and I just had t- I just had tendonitis problems all the time. Yeah, And so I obviously couldn't handle it. Whereas other people can handle it. I can't handle it. So mm-hmm. I just said to myself, I'm sick of entering marathons and not getting to the start line. I'm tired of spending all this money. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to change the strategy here, focus more on quality, less on quantity, and just make mm-hmm. the start line. And yeah, I, I really learned a lesson there. So that was as a result of my own trial and error, but also also some of the projects with the athletes and talking to them more about their mileage.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Cause yeah, like I, I was kind of the same way in college. I think I really started to feel like garbage once I got over 70 miles a week. And so Mm -hmm. during like cross country season, you know, like I'd keep it to like between 55 and 65. And then during track season, it was probably like 45 to 55, just cause there was so much more emphasis on, you know, some speed work, but like Mm -hmm. right now I'm, I'm hitting, i don't i don't have like a weekly goal i just like tallied up at the end of the week just to see what i'm at and i'm hitting between you know like some weeks i'm hitting 20 and some weeks i'm hitting 40. and like I, it just kind of it's a little bit of a wave it kind of fluctuates a little bit but um yeah like i prioritize the long run and i try to get two quality sessions aside from that and then the other days like i'm just really running slow like i've run deliberately slow which yeah. i never ever did and just to make sure that i'm like all right like keep my heart rate below 150 and just have a really good workout tomorrow but like don't don't waste this opportunity to recover today and yeah. you know so i think that's a that's a big one man like uh yeah. it gets drilled into a head at a young age like the whole no pain no
1: gain thing and that's just it's just mm. not true not mm-hmm. true at all i mean you know i'm sure that when you go out for a 60 minute run when you're jogging that's not painful but you're getting a lot out of it Mm -hmm. um you know well Mm -hmm. maybe you're not getting a lot out of that particular run but like building 20 or 30 of them over time you're getting a lot out of that so i think i i definitely have fallen into the camp of thinking easy runs are sort of pointless but they're not pointless at all like yeah
0: so yeah i think uh like the whole goal of like what you were saying about, you know, Paul Chalima when he like, he got to a certain number of reps and he's like, I'm done. Like if you, if you're sending the signal, like, and it's a potent enough signal, then if, if five reps does it, but you're scheduled for 10 reps, like why, like minimum effective dose, why would you, why would you risk injury? Why would you risk, you know, quote unquote overtraining? Why would you, uh, yeah. If, <laughs> if five miles gets the job done, why would you do 10? Like you're and diminishing returns. For, yeah. And this links
1: back to the, the thing I was talking about earlier. Like, I don't really know why, but the Africans seem to be able to listen to their body better than us in mm. general. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm really like uh, bundling us all together in terms of like us and Kenya, of course there's exceptions, but sure. in general, Paul Chalemo is still, he's a Kenyan, you know, of course mm-hmm. he competes in the US, but he's an, he's an African runner, a uh, uh, born runner. Mm-hmm. And you can just tell by the way he acts in training that like, yeah, when he cut the workout short, he, he knew he, he minimum, like you just said, minimum dose is enough. Mm-hmm. Um, he probably realized that if he'd done a couple more reps, he would have, re- his lactates would have risen really high. It would mm-hmm. have been harder to recover from that. And he was probably thinking, I don't need that right now. I'm fit. I'm really fit. I've mm-hmm. done enough. I've done enough. So let's go home and let's, let's uh, recover. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think, yeah, being able to do that. And like, so as a kinesiologist, I do that all the time. Like I'll, like if somebody comes in to me and you know, they've got knee pain and I'm assessing what's wrong and there's, it's an issue with, you know, their hip abductors. And I'm like, okay, I'll write up on, you know, on the board, like, here's your homework. You're going to do this exercise, this many reps. And, but then I get finished with that. And I'm like, but honestly, if you do three reps less, because you can feel that, that glute mead, like burning, like if you feel it working, if you're sending the signal then like, don't get, don't get caught up on like the reps, like Uh what's the intent? Like the intent is to achieve this feeling or to achieve this outcome. And if you get that, then like, then you did it, You, you did what you were supposed to do. So yeah, it's trying trying to like tell myself that though that can be tough sometimes so <laughs> yeah okay. yeah, it definitely
1: i mean you don't really see a lot of younger kids doing that i think it mm. takes it takes time it takes it probably takes hanging around with guys like chilemo to be very effective um mm-hmm. to be influenced but yeah I, I certainly was not like that as a middle distance runner i mean i, I wish i was but i wasn't um i i would i would <laughs> uh, i was bad i was i was to the point where like if I had 10, 400s to do in, in 59 seconds was the goal. And I got to eight and I was cooked. I, I would, I would thrash two more out at like 65, you know, like that's terrible yeah. idea. Yeah, you terrible have to idea. do it. So, it says 10. Yeah.
0: yeah. paper that's says 10. Training
1: program. Yeah. I'd be like completely dead in the last one, like running the last mm-hmm. 200 super slow. And that's yeah. just pointless. It's really pointless. Yeah. Just garbage. Um, just flailing. Yeah. Yeah. Technique has gone out the window. Yeah. yeah it's uh <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, but you live and learn, right? It's it's something that you you just have to. It's not easy, and it's not like anyone can instruct you to do it. I think you have to figure it out on your own.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think you're right. So, uh, it's 2022. It's a new year. What yeah. what plans do you have uh, for for your own training, and you know, just your personal life? And then, what's uh, what can we expect for Sweat Elite in 2022?
1: Sure, I'll start with Sweat Elite because I think people care more about that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I do too, to be fair. Um, uh, Well, I think it's a really exciting time for us right now because the videos have been so well-received, which has surprised us too, that it's given us the ability to expand more globally. So Mm -hmm. uh, right now we are in the process of having three or four videographers in Europe, uh, two in the US, and even one in Japan. No who's way. hopefully getting started in the next month or two? Awesome. Uh, I'm speaking to a guy there that's sort of getting started now with some big corporate teams, mm-hmm. and the vision really here is is to is to be the number one um, media company in endurance sports, and we're, we're not we're not going to stop. At uh, running, we'd like to also really expand into triathlon and sprints. So cover the mm-hmm. whole realm of, run, of running and endurance. Cycling is another beast in itself. I'm, I'm not really quite sure how to tackle that one or, or if we ever will, Maybe we, we might not. But mm-hmm. triathlon, we have a lot of inroads too. Um, I've been doing Gwen Jorgensen's YouTube channel for a few months now. She's the Olympic champion of the triathlon t- 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure you know her because she's obviously mm-hmm. from the US. Um, and her, her manager slash husband, uh, Patrick is pretty interested in what we're doing, obviously. And he's uh, looking to sort of join the team in one way or another, whether it be an investor or a shareholder. And he, Mm -hmm. he, he manages Lionel Sanders and a whole lot of professional triathletes. So, so it's, it's quite, um, it's quite a natural progression to move into triathlon for us Mm -hmm. and, uh, sprints as well, uh, after this trip down to Spain, Portugal, I'll be going back to London to do that, to do the sprints We've sort of partnered with a, sports management company in london that have a lot that manage a lot of sprinters so our vision here is really to be the to be the video uh the the channel where people can really learn a lot and and watch professional athletes and coaches talk about training and and actually train and i think that we're we're on the right path uh Mm -hmm. you know i want to you know (laughs) you sort of said it earlier when you said i'm all over the place you know i have been and it's a lot of, the, a lot of that's tiring. It's a lot, a lot of it's really quite tiring, especially during COVID when there's a lot of COVID rules and tests to be mm-hmm. done. Sure, it's not. It's 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 been it's been difficult, and I and I do want to limit the travel a little bit now. So I'm trying mm-hmm. to set people up in areas so that so that we've got consistent video coming from those areas, and I, and I can stay in. I live in Boulder now in Colorado, mm-hmm. and I w- I'd like to spend most of my time there, uh, mm-hmm. and and not 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 doing so much international travel. Mm-hmm. So that's that's 2022. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to to listening back to this podcast at the end of the year and hopefully uh, pulling off what I've just said.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah. With the way things have, have have gone since I started, you know, watching your videos, like it, it doesn't seem too far fetched to me. It doesn't seem out of the question. So I hope so. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. agree
1: with that. I really, I really think. I think we're trending in the right direction. Um, there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of things that can go wrong, but you know, I've recently hired a basically a CEO. Uh, who's a longtime friend of mine? I mean, we don't want to call him a. I mean, <laughs> we're a small startup. We're not going to call each other chief executive <laughs> at this point. But, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> no offense to people out like there that, that have CEOs in small companies. But uh, mm-hmm. but he's basically the um, he's basically the managing director because that's not really what I want to do. I'd rather mm-hmm. uh, be head, sort of head of media or video uh, mm-hmm. because that's what I, that's what I think I'm good at and I want to do. Mm-hmm. And he he's basically going to be managing the business moving forward. So He's going to be steering the ship. He's a very high-level sort of corporate manager in Australia. That's going to be doing this too. So, so yeah, he's he's going to be very helpful in just sort of making sure that the investors coming on board are, are the right people. Uh, you know, we're using the money in the right way because I don't really want to spend my time doing that uh, when he when he's got more experience doing that anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's I mean, it's 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 the team's grown from four to eight in the last three months alone. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next twelve
0: months. That's awesome. Well, I'm I'm excited about it. Keep keep the content flowing. Um, I'll yeah, keep telling you. everybody. I really appreciate it, right. man. Like I, I, I really appreciate
1: you telling other people about it. I'm stoked that you get excited about it. And, um, yeah, when you asked me to come on the podcast, I, I quickly looked up the podcast and, and noticed that you'd done over hundred episodes and thought, yeah, let's, let's do it. So yeah,
0: awesome. thanks for having me on. For sure. So, uh, for everybody watching and listening, like how, how do they find you? How do they find sweat elite? I think the best
1: place to find updates is probably the Instagram and Facebook, mostly Instagram. Uh, I I feel like that's the place that most people share their share their, uh, you know, updates these days. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's where you'll sort of see what we're doing all the time, but the YouTube channel subscribing to that is where you'll see all the videos. Um, You know, the Instagram is just basically sharing highlights and previews and so forth of the videos and anything else. So I'd recommend, I mean, if you, if you just want to be in a, been a place where you can sort of regularly see updates it's Instagram and YouTube. Um, you know, you, our website has 120 something articles on training. I mean, you can, you can check that out too, but I think what's most interesting to to people right now is the, is the video stuff. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. Our subscribers have, have surpassed 54,000 in eight months now, which is yeah something I never would have imagined. Mm-hmm. When we started, um, yeah, we really want to hit that hundred thousand within a year. I think that's uh, that's the goal now. Mm-hmm. So uh, get one of those plaques,
0: apparently. Yeah, so, um, yeah, we'll see. But, sorry, I went off. <laughs> I went off the topic. Uh, no, Instagram, that's... YouTube, I think are the best too. Yeah, awesome. Well, hey, I'm gonna do my best to help get you there, man. Get you to Thank the you. Yeah. No, huge.
1: I really, I really appreciate that. And uh, I'd, I'd be more than welcome to come back on in, in, in a few months and whatever, if you want to sort of talk about updates. I'd, I'd love Sweet.
0: That. so yeah, Let's make it happen. We'll schedule it. Cool. Um, dude, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I've really enjoyed it. Um, awesome convo and uh, yeah, best of luck to, to you and to the team and to Sweat Elite in. Uh, in yeah, same you, man. Man. Just
1: a quick, just a quick one. How do we track your, uh, your progress in this 5k? You on Strava as well?
0: I'm on Strava. I just I just followed you the other day, so but oh, you, I'm on Strava. Have,
1: I, if I didn't yep. follow you back, I'll make sure I do that now. Um,
0: Cool. Okay. Awesome. Yep. I'll I'll make sure. Kevin I do Kuhn. K U H N. So awesome. yeah, I'm. Uh, okay. Keep back on the phone. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna break thirty-five. I'm gonna. uh, Yeah. So I did uh, just a. A little story just okay. to let you know, like, Oh, I'm fired up. I'm ready for it. Like, uh, a couple, yeah, a couple weeks ago, cool. I, uh, I paced a buddy of mine th- through a 15 K and I ran with him the first 10 K. And like, mm-hmm. I had, I didn't really know what kind of shape I was in, but I was just like, yeah, whatever. He wanted to run like seven minute pace, seven thirty pace. So the first 10 K just ran with him. And then I was like this last five K I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let loose. I'm just gonna see what happens. And, uh, Came through in like seventeen twenty-five. Whoa! So, like for me, like having not run, I didn't. I hadn't raced five. So that was your last five k. That was the last five k of the fifteen k. So, I was so just like, faster all right, than, that's faster than thirty-five minute ten k pace. That last five k. Exactly. So I'm like, all right, I think I can. I think I can probably do this. So at this point, like the training has been going really well. Like uh, yesterday, I did a progression run. I went uh 6 flat 553 549 535 and nice. i was like oh i think i think i could probably do this right now i think i could break 35 right now so um yeah at this point it seems like a conservative goal so i might have to i still have 8 weeks of hard training uh so yeah maybe uh maybe 34 maybe sub 34 i don't know we'll see but um yeah that's good for you. That,
1: sounds, that sounds like you're already almost pretty much there. Yeah. I mean, if you can run a 15 K and finish the last five K at faster than your goal, 10 K pace, then that's a good sign for sure. Yeah. I God. can't, I, I, don't, I can't, I don't think I can do that. I mean, I, can, I can't run a 15 K and do the last five K in under 15 minutes. I don't think I
0: can do that. So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. we will yeah. see, we will see. Yeah. So, okay. but yeah, already, I will go, uh, go follow sweat elite yeah like you, subscribe do all that stuff and uh yeah dude let's check in in you know four yeah, five we'll six months weekend. and see
1: how we're doing then yeah hopefully awesome. hopefully we've uh, we've done some of the things i've said at least <laughs> shoot big <laughs> that's right
0: awesome yeah all well thanks again for your time and uh yeah everybody thanks watching and listening it. yeah stay tuned for next episode adios see you guys